Support for WRFA is brought to you by Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union. As a local community resource, Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union is committed to providing its members with the professional financial services they have come to expect. Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union provides credit union membership to people who live, work, worship, attend school, do business, and any other entities within Chautauqua County. For more information, including how to become a member, call or text 716-665-7000 or visit them on the web at 665-7000.com. We have Chautauqua County Executive P.J. Wendell joining us for our monthly talk on all things county government and county matters. So welcome to the studio. Well, thanks for having me. So uh, I've been talking to our, our uh, state elected officials and other folks on reactions to the state budget that was passed earlier this month. And want to get your thoughts on what you've seen of the plan now that more details are starting to come out about it. Well, we're seeing a lot. Uh, you know, one of the things that really stands out and it's more you know, for counties and, and more of the county executives, something we've been pushing for, fighting for in the last two years was the sales tax intercept. What people don't realize is, yes, we've seen a surplus of our sales tax, but we've also had sales tax intercepted by the state for the last two years. Uh, one portion of that went to the AIMS funding that went to our local municipalities, which we're not disagreeing it's needed at the municipalities, but that's a state aid. So why are you taking from the counties to put into a larger pool and then distribute throughout the state. So in a sense, that's one of those areas where, you know, I'm not sure if all of our money stayed here that was withheld or did it go into a, a big pot and then it went everywhere else. So that's about the only time I could say where maybe, you know, sales tax revenue downstate aided, you know, Chautauqua County. Otherwise, our sales tax stays here. It's, you know, we don't get sales tax from New York City or for Wall Street or any of these other areas. Um, so that's the one area. But what's what's really important is the, the, the fight that we've had for retaining our sales tax revenue for distressed hospitals. Um, at a meeting with the County Executives Association of New York and uh, Robert Mojica, the budget director, um, you know, it was mentioned that $250 million was intercepted from state or county sales tax to distressed hospitals. 200 million of which will stay in New York City because that's what they collected. 50 million goes to the upstate. And the major question was, where's the money? You know, the, it's been intercepted and no one's seen it yet. Um, so in a bipartisan effort led by myself and Dan McCoy from Albany, we asked a step further, could the state, um, you know, conduct a commission to look into distressed hospitals as to why are they distressed? Uh, some mentioned that you know, they're in a high area where there's increased Medicaid, public assistance, et cetera. So their, their uh, you know, refunds or um, the insurance reimbursements are much lower. Uh, the others are just more poorly managed. And we said, you know, can we look into that? And in the budget, they said, no, we'll give you your sales tax back. So really with AIM and the, um, the um, allowance of, uh, for us to keep that sales tax, uh, that was being intercepted for distressed hospitals. That's about a $1.4 million uh, favorable uh, for, the, for the county. So that's good news. Uh, we're really excited about that. There's a couple of other things in the budget, um, you know, we're looking at, you know, one of those is uh, it's, we've asked for public funds for um, their Jefferson project, which is a group we're part of with uh, Skinny Atlas and Lake George. Uh, but with that, it's a public private and uh, 
if if it's there uh, we're still looking for the details because things are you know 20 million dollar request is a, is an accounting error sometimes in a budget with 226 billion dollars uh, so we are looking to find out where that was put, if it's still in the budget, where that is. It's That's critical when we look at the advancement and the development of not only the Jefferson Project, but the data and science we're looking at here in Chautauqua Lake. So, you know, other things we're, we're, we have found have been very favorable for counties uh, with, the, with regards to the state budget. Um, you know, the war on potholes, as our governor has declared, the only downside is with the increased inflation and the oil prices um, asphalt has gone up quite a bit. So, you know, hopefully that war is going to be a substantial one and not just a, you know, kind of a squirt gun battle uh, to try to get some hot potholes fixed. So we'll see where that comes. And we're, you know, we're still looking at those numbers as they come out. Mm-hmm. That $1.4 million at sales tax that you said the county's going to, is that going to be an annual or is it just this year? Well, we're looking at, and again, that's just the calculations. If we were able, as we're able to keep that sales tax that was, that was taken, I should say taken, intercepted uh, from the county uh, in the last two years. So it, I wouldn't say it's a it's an annual surplus. It's just this year as they reverted that, you know, they say we'll see a savings or a reflection of one point four million. So that's not gonna be a check issue to us, but that's their that's their, you know, calculation that this is what, you know, was intercepted uh, for um, those two, you know, for AIM and distressed hospitals. So then you should see that back in your in your coffers, you know, as the year rolls out. So Unique how they play that. You know, one of the things that happened too, another uh, another increase that we've seen is what we call our EF map, which is our federal reimbursement rate for Medicaid. Uh, that we have seen an increase. But with that said, we don't see any checks. We don't see any um, reimbursement. We just see less of a payment uh, for that matter. So our, our payment, you know, not exactly the numbers, but let's say our payment was a million dollars. Now it's only 500,000. So they'll reflect it was a $500,000 advantage. It's, it's more than that, actually. But that's where we don't see an actual transfer of funds. It's just money that we're able to, we pay less of a bill. So that money that we budget, if we budget 2 million for, you know, the Medicaid reimbursement and we only have to pay 500,000, then that's a $1.5 million savings. Those aren't the ex- actual numbers, but that's just in simplistic terms for listeners. That's, you know, how that FMAP, and that's, that's big too. And then another issue that the county executives and counties have been pushing for across New York State. So a great, uh, you know, a, a great testament to Steve Aquario and NISAC and how the Association of Counties is looking out for everybody here in New York State. Mm-hmm. So this is something that comes September when it's budget time that you'll probably have a better grasp on how it's going to affect at least for next year. Correct. And okay. that's, you know, those, but, but you know, as, as I speak with Katie Crow all the time, our finance director, it's, there's so many moving pieces to this. Um, you know, you're, it's really very early, way too early really to tell where we're going to be. Trends look good now, but as we know, everything could happen. I mean, I mean look what happened when, when COVID hit, nobody thought we'd, you know, be in that you know, looking at two years now. But mm-hmm. anyway, it's just, there's a lot of untold stories that we just have to wait and see and ride it out. Mm-hmm. And thinking <clears throat> of uh, things you're working <clears throat> on, things you're trying to wait out and ride out and see how it's going to go. Also related to sales tax and then also related to increased uh, costs for doing road work is uh, gas prices still being very high. And the legislature, we're recording this on Tuesday. This will air Thursday. So folks, the legislature will have already voted on a resolution about gas tax uh, and where they would change it. The resolution states that they would change it to a fixed rate per gallon as opposed to the percentage and uh wondering 
what are you hearing right now in terms of obviously it's hard for you to talk about something that's going to already be voted or not voted on come tomorrow but what are your thoughts on this resolution it's a very complex issue and i'll i'll kind of lay the groundwork with this there's 62 counties in new york state right now 10 have committed to lowering their motor fuel tax that says something that if this was you know the the most prudent thing to do it would be done um there's 11 counties I got in the list. Erie County is listed on there, but they haven't voted yet, and that will be determined. For example, you know, I, I talked to uh, you know, good, uh, my good friend in, in Niagara County, chairman of their legislature, and they said, you know, if they were to go from, if they were to cap it at $3 or look at a $2 cap, it would be a $1.4 million reduction in their sales tax revenue. Uh, if we were to do that in Chautauqua County, there would be a reduction of nearly a million dollars, but what is also has to be reflected is that will be reflected at our towns and villages. So in essence, if we make a decision, you know, to help the taxpayer in the, in, in another side, we're actually hurting our municipalities because, you know, their budgets are a lot tighter and, you know, they, their budgeting system is a little bit more critical. Now, having said that, there will be some listening that will argue, well, I heard that's different. Well, every municipality is different, but the majority of the people I have heard back from, they said if we would cap it at the $2 mark, it would be very challenging for their budget. Now, that's not what's being discussed. In Chautauqua County, it's being discussed at a $3. Uh, that would bring us right about um, at our projections for sales tax. So um, you know, we wouldn't see a surplus per se in motor fuel tax. Now, what people have to realize is this has happened before. In about 2004, then the legislature, again, pushed and instituted a motor fuel tax holiday, if you will. The downside is there was never a reduction in the price at the pump. So having said that, you have to wonder, well, what happens? Nothing is guaranteed. For example, if New York State, their numbers are 24 cents. If Chautauqua County votes and adopts, I think their proposal is 12 cents for the legislature. You should see a 36 cent drop per gallon as of June 1st. What happens if you don't? We have no control over that. The distributors, the retailers, they could say, well, you're gonna give up the revenue? We're not. Mm -hmm. uh, the argument could say, well, you raised your prices. No, my prices were the same in June as they were in March. The only difference is they're not, my, my price hasn't changed. It just, I didn't lower it in compensation for the tax rate reduction that the state or the, or the, uh, the, the county has. I'm not putting this, I'm not, calling out our retailers and distributors. That's not what this is about. But there are a lot of unknowns where we don't know until June 1st what will happen. We could see a 36 cent drop in gasoline prices. If we don't, what do we do? You know, if let's say we put we institute this and nothing changes, you know, and we have this from now until till uh, you know, I think it looks to uh, the proposal is to put in a sunset of December 1st. Uh, we don't know. You know, there's a lot of unanswers to this. And I think when you look at 62 counties and the majority have not jumped on this, that, that says something. You know, we have to look at this and it's just not, and, and whatever vote is taken, it's unfortunately, you know, what's been put out now is the four Democrats have led this charge. 
we've been talking about this since March. When I got back from NISAC, county executives met bipartisan. We discussed this, looked at it across the board. Some counties moved out ahead of this. That's our prerogative. You know, they wanted to get they wanted to get ahead. You know, and for us, we looked at it and we said the majority of us who haven't made a, a firm decision would wait and see what the decision would be from the state, what information would come out, etc. What the residents have to realize is that cap we're putting on is the wholesale price. It's not the price at the pump. So when we say three dollars, right now I think our, our wholesale price is about three fifty, maybe three dollars and sixty cents a gallon. Um, so you're seeing it for four dollars. The state has increased that cap number to do two, three, and four dollars. But if you're capping it at four dollars, that means your price of the pump is, is over five. So that's alarming, you know, that we would ever get that high. Uh, a lot of this right now is based on projections. I mean, you saw that things ramped up really high. Interestingly enough, I've heard that the price has gone up five cents. We've talked about this gas, this, we've talked about this reduction now for about a week. And the last week the prices go up. So you wonder, uh, how is that gonna play out? You know, if they, let's say it goes up 10 cents. Um, okay, well, 10 cents more, is there any reason why? Did the price of crude go up? We don't know, but, in essence, you know, is that a buffer that's already being implemented into retail? I don't know. I mean, I just don't know what's going on behind the scenes with distribution and retail. I can just tell you that there is nothing guaranteed. And we saw this once before. And I think that's where the residents really have to pay attention. Whatever that vote is tomorrow night or whatever it would have been last night, whenever this airs, it's not a lack of understanding and a lack of, of trying to do what's right for the county residents. It's a matter of, you know, what we can firmly say will happen. If we vote, if the vote is made and they're gonna cap it and we should see a 36 cent reduction in June 1st, and if we don't see that, where do you go? And this is something that Ron Platts from Channel 2 had asked me, and no one knows who's gonna enforce that. You know, they could say, well, I didn't, I'm honoring the gas tax, I'm just raising my prices. Right. And there's nothing saying they can't do that. Free market economy, so right. yeah, you, you wonder. It's, it's just not cut and dry. And, you know, people have to realize that there is a bigger impact on this. And I think what, again, what's so, I think, indicative is that there's still a lot of indecisiveness or, or really not a lot of indecisiveness. There's a lot of counties that haven't gone one way or the other. Um, and we may see it. And tomorrow, Thursday's the deadline because I think it, I shouldn't say I think, it has to be um, sent, it has to be uh, enacted on by May 1st. I know Niagara County has a special meeting of their legislature. Ours happens to fall, uh, to, you know, on Wednesday evening. So we will be okay. But, you know, stay tuned. There's a lot to this. This isn't a matter of, um, you know, one side or the other. It's really everyone looking at what's the best for our residents. Mm -hmm. And to your point about, you know, affecting county budget and also municipalities' budgets, I know the county's budgets, the sales tax revenues were, uh, was a conservative mm -hmm. estimate of what, you know, that would be in for 2022. And whereas I know, I think I could be remembering wrong, but I think the city of Jamestown was a little more optimistic in their, in their figures for what they would receive for sales tax. So, yeah. So if, if one entity, you know, the county, which disperses out to municipalities, you know, concert, you know, comes up with a more conservative figure and, and you're saying, well, we're going to meet that, but the city has said, well, we're hoping to get a little more than maybe we thought, then that, then this, that disparity could come true, that where they're not going to get all that they had hoped for. 
Exactly. Because and, of, yeah. And what what's being discussed right now in the county is capping it at $3, which my financial director has said would keep us right at our projection. So mm -hmm. that's really, it's giving a, you know, somewhat of an, a, an assistance at the pump, but you know, in a, in a, in a fill, you know, what's that a dollar 40 in some cases, or, you know, depending how many, how many gallons you put in your car, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be something, but not an astronomical change. Mm -hmm. uh, interestingly enough, you know, traveling down, down, you know, South, uh, you know, I, I saw prices in parts of Georgia at $3 and 29 cents. And my sense said, who would have thought 329 was a bargain at gasoline? You're right. right. But how is it? It's the same, you know, I mean, they constantly have a summer blend, right? They don't have winter. So do they, I mean, it's just ironic that, you know, you come up here and as the further north you went, the higher the price you saw of gasoline. Um, so again, very interesting. And it's, it's a dynamic that, you know, people have said, why are the gas prices in Chautauqua County in this region much higher? And they said it's been looked at by the comptroller and the AG's office and nothing, nothing ill is happening. And people keep asking me that and it keeps the same. So we don't know. Um, you know we just know that, you know, whatever decision is made by the legislature, it's going to be made with in the best intention, with the best information they have at the time. And, and again, it's a hope that our residents will see that that reduction, but history teaches us or has taught us that it didn't happen last time. So hopefully this time will be different. Hmm. Talking about fuel of a different variety, or I guess even energy of a different variety, I've been watching uh, agendas and come forward through the, the Chautauqua County Industrial Development Agency. They had a meeting this morning with even more on their agenda, different companies wanting to do solar projects. And I was wondering, you know, is, is Chautauqua County unique with all these all this interest in doing solar here? And kind of where, where are we going with uh, these We are very right unique because there's a lot of things that make us unique. Um, one, um, I look at it this way on a personal note that what I've seen is what you're doing is you're giving incentives and dangling money in front of people that need money. Um, why isn't this happening in New York City? Why don't we see these popping up in Dutchess County and Orange County? And, and maybe there's some that will say, what well, is happening? We don't see it as much as we're seeing out here in upstate New York. Um, you know, the, the, the piece of the, the puzzle that's not being you know, shown is that New York City is, City is still reliant on coal-burning power plants for their energy. So instead, they want to go north and they want, which I guess it's already been approved of a $15 billion power line to come in from Canada into New York City. So if all of the upstate is putting this money into the grid to support downstate, what's going to happen when downstate has their own power? And it's what's the guarantee that that power is coming from solar and what's to say that that power isn't fossil fuel being produced in Canada? We don't know. You know, why is it being incentivized here? Because we have a lot of land or agricultural land. I know there's one project today that was going into land that used, it was used to use for, for cabbage farming. Uh, one of the projects that was talked about today is uh, near a vineyard. The grapes will not be disturbed. But there are some that are saying, well, you know, we don't know that. You know, I've had some very frank discussions. And my concern is this, in 20 years, 50 years, I don't want it to be known that this administration or this era of county government brought in all these solar farms and now they're left abandoned. They're left, you know, to decay and they're falling apart and they're broken. And, you know, everyone says right now, yes, we have the money. We will, you know, dismantle those when they're, they've reached their life expectancy. But there's nobody that can tell us what we're going to do tomorrow, let alone what they're going to do in 25 years. So, again, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of question and, 
you know, where are we? And, and, you know, we don't see massive solar farms going up in the Mojave Desert or out west where there's plenty of sunshine, abundance of sunshine and, and no area. I mean, you can't, you know, same kid is that it's sand. There's nothing going to grow in sand. It's going to be a desert. It'll be a desert a thousand years from now. So do we take away farmland that's there and, you know, put on a, a solar farm? There's some that would argue, but it, really it goes both ways. And, and who is somebody to say, you know, I know one of the cases that was brought to my attention was an organic farmer here um, in the South Ripley area that loves organic farming. They want to continue their organic farm. The problem is they can't sustain that right now because of the cost of farming. Whereas if they leased part of their property to the solar project, they would get a, a payment that would help then sustain their, their organic farm. So are we to say you shouldn't do that because that's a passion you have? Somebody else is going to control that because it may not be liked or it may not be palatable. I, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I just don't want to be, I don't want to look back on 20 or 30 years if I'm still here and say, wow, that was, we shouldn't have done that. You know, when it, when it came to that. And that's that's my that's my concern right now moving forward is why why in Chautauqua County? Why is everybody, you know, and you're you're seeing these popped up in these rural areas where people, you know, you don't see an, an influx of people. Uh, you know, they're finding those areas remote that, you know, aren't, you know, on the main the main path. There isn't a lot of, you know, uh, development. But again, it just concerns me that they do, they dangle dollars in front of people, you know, and when they're they're willing to make payments that they are what are they getting? You know, no developer is going to give half of their, their money coming in to, to write those. Oh, I'll give you half of my profit. You know, what, what's the profitability for these companies uh, to open and start these projects? And as we've seen, you know, in the wind farms up in the North County, they've already been sold several times since the project started. So there's a lot of concern. And, and people will say the money's there, you know, for the decommissioning, et cetera. But I, I just, it's a, it's a big concern. And there's just a lot of unknowns. Um, but what is known is the money that they can give you if you join on to this lease program and, and lease your property. So I don't know if there's a right answer or wrong. There's, there's arguments from both sides. Um, you know, I, I just, I know I'm not a big fan of, you know, taking this, but, you know, taking this land. But again, I can't, we're a home rule county. You know, we leave that up to the people in those areas to make those decisions on what's best for them. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the decommissioning. The legislature had, sometime in recent months, had passed legislation about dealing with your concern mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, when these 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 panels get too old or whatever. That so, how much accountability is there really for the the companies that own this these equipment? I'm told there's a there's a great deal of accountability. But again, if you know if the company gets sold, you know, two or three or half a dozen times by the time the it's the decommissioning commences. You know, that money is there. Does that money, you know, gain interest? What's the, how is that put in escrow? How is that maintained? Is it a, you know, what kind of interest are they gaining? Is it just sitting in a, you know, in a vault somewhere, basically, you know, I don't know. Those are the questions. And, and people that understand that have a better knowledge of that. And I won't, you know, I won't send anything negative because I don't want to deter from, there may be those, those questions may be there uh, and have, you know, definitive answers. But it's just a big concern, you know, with, with the rising cost, you know, I could tell you, you know, right now, if somebody said it's going to cost, you know, let's say to pave my driveway 25 years ago, the cost of paving my driveway is a heck of a lot different than what it is today. So if that money was put away 25 years ago, it certainly isn't going to cover the cost now. So those are things that, and I'm told those are all parts of the, you know, the parts of the puzzle that have all been, you know, accounted for. And, and so be it, I guess, you know, I just, I hope that, you know, when, when these decisions are made, they're the right decisions and we're not looking, um, you know, at, at a big, 
you know, at a big question mark, you know, because, and Julia, the, the sad part about this is it's not a matter of differing opinions, okay? But it's the anger and animosity if you don't agree. You know, if we could have a differing opinion on wind and solar electric vehicles, that's great. But th what we're seeing right now publicly is the anger and animosity. You know, it's like, well, I don't favor electric vehicles. I can't believe you're not from, you know, you're not about the public. You're not about the environment. We're not saying that. But I can tell you, you know, when you look at these vehicles, there, were, there was an expose this morning on the new Ford F-150 Lightning. Well, the battery is the bottom of the truck. That truck rolls over. Is the framework of that truck going to be sustaining the weight of that battery? So if you compromise in a rollover, is it going to be exacerbated by the battery pack? School buses. I could tell you taking school bus classes and extrication classes, school buses on the top are not structurally sound. They're sound enough to maintain the passengers. But if you're putting a battery the length of the bus and that thing were to overturn, will they have the structural stability? I hope so. I mean, we've seen so many bus accidents and how, how thin the shells of those buses are in school buses. But to mandate you must start buying buses in five years, the schools don't have the infrastructure, the, the systems aren't set up. So who's really benefiting? You know, we know the cost of these EVs are double what the cost of, you know, I, I listen to some heavy truck operators, they're, they're, they're manufacturing, they're about twice the price of a regular, you know, and you, know, you would have to downsize. But you know, Western New York, we know that the batteries are affected by cold temperature. What are you gonna do if a battery were to malfunction halfway through a school room? Oh, well, we don't have any other vehicles, so what do you do? How do you get those kids to school? Again, is this the right thing to do? Maybe 20 years, 30 years, 40? Do we have benchmarks to get there? Certainly, but to wipe it out and say, we're gonna you know, get off of this, uh, you know, these fossil fuels and gas burning engines by 2040, or really? I mean, that, that's a quick move, you know, when you're looking at, a, at an industry that's been here for over 100 years, and you're gonna change it in a matter of a couple. And again, the government subsidies, and it was said today, I think Ford was saying, you know, we're reliant on foreign uh, governments when it looks to the processing of ores and minerals to get the lithium and the cadmium and the cobalt that we need for these batteries. We're not self-reliant in this. So if we wanna become self-reliant, now we're gonna have to start mining. Where, where are the environmentalists gonna be then? Are we gonna still complain and say we, we need to stop these you know, mining of rare materials? I don't know. There's such a complex set of questions and just you know is it something we could progress towards certainly is it something we should be looking for in 20 to 30 to 50 years yeah but to try to rip the band-aid off and you know the elimination of natural gas in a new built home it's ridiculous because i as we all know you know we look at we look at you know electricity okay right now and this was brought to my attention by a, an electric provider in Texas, it was very evident of what could and, and more than likely will happen in Western New York. When Texas had their brownout a little a year or two ago, it was during the winter, you know, and they were not able to sustain the power needed to heat homes during that that winter storm that they had. Well, we have winter storms every weekend here in Chautauqua County. So, will the infrastructure be there to support that? And what happens when we all decide we're going to heat our homes and uh, is the state going to regulate what you set your thermometer and your, your thermostat at your house? Does everybody cap at 70 degrees, 80? You know, I don't know. That's, there's a lot of discussion with that. And, and again, you know, to say, will the infrastructure be able to handle, you know, if they want every home to be heated by electric, are they going to be able to handle that? And right now the information is no. Um, you know, gas is cheap, but it's ironic. We, we quit 
you know, New York State stopped the development of natural gas in New York State. So if you're in power, you can stop that to force your agenda. And I think natural gas is a very clean way. Um, I think natural gas could be used, uh, again, more so than coal. You know, but even with coal, you know, they were pulverizing the coal to make it like a dust, almost like a, a powder that was injected. It was almost like a, a gasoline, like a liquid. So it was unique. It's not just throwing in lumps of coal like you saw on the Titanic, you know, those guys shoveling, you know, shovelfuls. But what's the right answer? I don't know. Uh, you know, I think it just, it has to be looked at. But it's interesting that, you know, once one party gets in, we push an agenda that, you know, hasn't been thought through, hasn't been looked at. Has there been, I mean, realistically, it should be a bipartisan effort, in my opinion. It shouldn't be, you know, one side decides this is what we're doing uh, because it affects everyone. You know, if there's a new, if there's new leadership, whether it's in Washington or in Albany, what are they going to do? Reverse it? I mean, that that's just, and that's the problem people have with, with government and, you know, how things, politics are how they run is, you know, whatever whatever party gets in power, they, they, you know, dictate their agenda. I think we need to take a step back. I think we need to look at this, you know, as a bipartisan effort and move forward with that in, you know, in what would be more of a gradual way. Ripping the bandaid off in some instances, I don't think is going to be effective. And what are we going to, what's the backup plan? You know, as somebody said, well, there isn't a backup plan. Well, (laughs) you better have one, you know, because, you know, we don't want to be in a situation where, you know, we're reliant on so many things that aren't there right now. I mean, it's the emperor's new clothes. We heard a story for, you know, as we were kids, you know, don't just tell us it's there. It's, it's, it's got to be there. We have to see it. Um, so I think it's a big concern. But again, you know, the, the, the solar projects, again, you know, personally, I think they're they're looking at and they're, um, you know, they're making opportunities for people, certainly. But I think they're also somewhat taking advantage of people that are in, in need of money and, and that are in a, you know, more of an impoverished area. Hmm. Moving outside, quite literally, uh, it's finally starting to look like spring out there. Although it's gonna, it's it's we have snow in the forecast this week. So what <laughs> what can you do? This Western New York, but I've noticed that uh, getting some press releases and notices uh, from your office as well about activity happening in the county park system and on trails. Can you tell us some of what's happening with those? Well, you know, we've gotten some grant funding in the trails. You know, we're looking to expand that. Uh, you know, I've had different groups come in talking to me about the trails. I know with some biking trails, etc. Um, <clears throat> it's really important that, you know, we take advantage of this in a good way that, you know, we can get that money to expand our trails program here in Chautauqua County. You know, as you go through, there's a lot of rail beds. You could see them, you know, through the woods and you could see the remnants of them. You know, somebody asked, uh, you know, well, let's, if the rail beds are there, let's get a rail back to, to Buffalo. It's not that easy. You know, rail beds that have been decommissioned for nearly 100 years, really hard to bring up to code. Uh, but I think those are ways to, you know, open up opportunity. Uh, you know, if you look, there's some in the North County. There's some in, up in Mayville. Actually, you know, we have a, a great trail system that comes into the village of Mayville. So uh, really excited, you know, again, as people decide to get out into the uh, environment, get out into Chautauqua County, appreciate its beauty and splendor, but, you know, taking advantage of this and, and using the opportunities we have and the funding that's out there, you know, from the state providing, uh, the funding that the state provides, you know, take advantage of it and expand these trails programs and really, you know, take advantage and give people, a, you know, something to do other than, you know, indoors or the lake or, or something along those lines, just to get out and walk and enjoy nature. Mm-hmm. Great. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell us about that's happening? Uh, yeah, really excited. You know, news that came in is the uh, the county fair is back in action. You know, and that's really, it's really exciting when you think that people lose sight of what actually the fair is all about. That's really one of these last bastions of, of Americana that continue that, you know, these are things that have gone on since the 1800s, you know, relatively small, you know, but, but the, 
the the basic premise of the county fair, uh, you know, is still there with the kids and the 4-H and the agriculture, uh, you know, and different things. Obviously, the midway rides, the food, you know, nobody can go past the, the carny food if you're if you're on a diet, not the best thing for you. But, you know, nonetheless, it's, it's you know, the smells and sounds of the fair are going to be excited to have back. And I know I've heard there's more opportunity this year, some expansion of, of programs. So really excited. I think we could have pulled it off last year, uh, but there was just so much uncertainty. Um, but having said that, you know, what is it, a, 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 you know, we're, we're focusing on really coming out of this. Um, but, you know, it was, it was asked yesterday in another interview, Erie County went back on the high uh, rating from CDC of a high risk. And it just, you know, I, I raised some question that, you know, where did they get that mark? They never went from, they went from low to high. All I mean, automatically there was no, you know, moderate, there was no middle, medium. Um, concerning there, um, but you know we we're monitoring our numbers still. Um, you know, it, one one hospital we had no uh, patients with COVID. Um, the other one had, you know, one comes in, one goes out. It's nothing. So we are able to manage this. You know, we do see it. Um, you know, the cases are still here. Um, you know, we're hearing about that every day. But I think the the point of this is is people know how to manage it. They know how to if they're sick, they stay home. There's the testing. You can get tests everywhere. Um, you know, again, and you, if you go out in public, you see some people have masks, some people don't. And, you know, two months ago, there was this argument and, and you, you see a fist fight break out in a store if somebody had one on or vice, you know, there was a, the differing opinions, you know, because of the mandate, I guess. But, you know, we just have to accept one another's differences. And I think that's the one thing that, you know, if there's anything that I could share with everybody is, is you know, take time to listen and share and you know, and I was at the funeral for, for Jack Glenzer, former county executive past. And, you know, one of the things that many people had said about Dr. Glenzer was his ability to listen to the other side. You don't have to take everything, you know, doesn't, but listening to what they have to say. And that's, I think that's what's critical is because I don't do what you're saying doesn't mean I'm not listening to you. doesn't mean I'm not hearing you. You know, I think that's the, the piece that we have to understand moving ahead is that we can agree to disagree, but I think that portion of everything has really gone away. You know, people just, you know, if you don't agree to their side, you're incompetent, you know, you're not, you know, you're not smart, you're ignorant, etc. No, we just have differing opinions. And, you know, it used to be that was part of life and now it seems to be that's that's not acceptable. And people will do, you know, anything to, you know, to get their point, which, you know, unfortunately. So I I ask everyone as the seasons, you know, as the season breaks, you know, start anew. Listen to people that you might have some odds with or listen to people from the other side and, you know, listen to what they have to say. It's, you know, we all have opinions and, and we all, for whatever reason, think ours is the best one or the right one. So, um, you know, take time, listen to your neighbors and, and really get out, meet your neighbors. You know, I mean, we've been, we've been cooped up inside. I know I, I spoke, my neighbor came by yesterday. We had a good chat, um, you know, out in the, out in the driveway is, you know, haven't seen them. So it's, it's good. Enjoy the, you know, after Wednesday, the snow, but <laughs> we should be back to normal, I hope. County Executive Wendell, thank you so much for coming in. No, thanks for having me.